Welcome to today's Church Central podcast. We're a family of churches across Birmingham. To find out more, head to churchcentral.org.uk. Now, do you remember, remember the 6th of September, 1997? Do you remember that date? Uh, It was a, I know some of you weren't born, don't rub it in, all right? (laughs) Uh, I remember that day because it was the funeral of uh, Princess Diana, and I vividly remember it because on the same day, uh, our next-door neighbor's daughter, Rachel, was getting married, and I remember the strange double tone in the air on that day as I played with my Tamagotchi as an eight-year-old boy on the pew. I remember that people were striving to celebrate and stand with the family involved on a happy day, whilst also acknowledging that there was a substantial, significant, sad, nationally important event happening alongside. And so to today... Uh, I've been thinking about that day quite a lot in preparation to speak on this day because we're here to stand with and celebrate uh, these families and more than that, as has been alluded to many times, to gather primarily to God, the central and decisive person that we always gather to, not just when there are kids to celebrate, but every week and every day and multiple times every day, we come to him, the Father, Son and Spirit, the centre of the church, the centre of our lives, the centre of the universe and our only hope in life and in death and in the ever-changing world that we find ourselves in. We gather to him and so that's front and centre, but it's hard also to avoid that there's another tone in our world this Sunday and with all the significance of Queen Elizabeth II passing away and all that that's led to in our nation, the Premier League, that great institution, even that pausing this weekend. And so I felt it was inappropriate to drown out that reality today and so gone is the really flipping great talk I finished on Thursday at 5 p.m and I shut my laptop and I thought there is going to be a standing ovation after that bad boy (laughs) it had funny stories there was some alliteration oh my goodness but that isn't coming today because just after five We got some different news, and though I don't want to let it dominate, it just felt that God wouldn't necessarily uh, say the specific things I'd already thought about, but he might want to say something bespoke for this moment. And so this morning, please forgive me, and please bear with me, Uh, I don't have a slick message to bring you, but I wonder if I could just gently try and pastor us through a weird moment and offer three reflections from all that's gone on this week. And I'm going to throw at you a load of verses from Holy Scripture, the Bible, the Word of God. And that is because I feel more than ever, this is always true, but sometimes in arrogance I forget this. This is always true. I have no wisdom today. But the God of history, who has seen history ebb and flow. He has so much wisdom. And he's really experienced at handling days and moments that are both happy and sad. 
The Bible says, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. The Bible says there is a time for mourning and a time for dancing. And the cross, the death of Jesus on the cross, is simultaneously the most outrageous tragedy that has ever occurred. And in one and the same moment, the greatest moment of all history, in the same moment. And so he can handle a weird mix of tone, (laughs) because he's really good at it. And so I want to speak lots and lots of his word to you. And uh, in each reflection, as well as reflecting on this week and on what God would say, I want to then land uh, just a little bit into the specifics of uh, this Thanksgiving morning, and particularly parenting, and just give a couple of words of wisdom direction from God to Luke and Hannah and Dave and Martha and Steve and Becky. But it might be a bit of a mess, so I'm just going to ask you to just come with me. Reflection number one, the events of this week show us that a consistent presence is a stabilizing force. I don't know how you felt when you heard or read or scrolled the news on Thursday, or how personally impacted or unimpacted you feel by Elizabeth, our sister's death. But as you listen to the outpouring from the world, you hear this sentiment over and over and over again, this phrase, she's always been there. What was precious to you about the Queen? She's always been there. I messaged my dad after writing a few things down for this morning. I said, what are you thinking? And he just replied, she's always been there. Why are you unsettled by the Queen's death? Some have said, I just assumed she'd always be there. She's the only monarch that most of us remember. Shout out to the oldies who have a time pre-Queen Elizabeth II. But for most of us, uh, she's the only face we've ever seen on stamps and coins. And uh, none of us have ever sung that really weird song, God Save the King. And she's overseen 15 different prime ministers and all the swirling world events that have circled through the world and your life and your family's lives. She's felt to be an ongoing constant that underpins much of the rest of life in this nation. She's always been there. As uh, Joe and Jill Biden wrote in their tribute to her, in a world of constant change, she was a steadying presence. We love a steadying presence, don't we? And this instinct is very, very natural for people and nations to look for constants to hold on to in the swirling storms of life. Like if I'm on a train or a bus back from New Street, okay, and it's a bit busy like it was in the Commonwealth Games, and uh, I don't have a seat, and so I'm stood up, and I'm travelling back to Selly Oak, and suddenly the train wobbles or screeches around a corner, and I lose my balance because of the, the change, and what do I instinctively do? I reach out and I grab something to keep me steady, And the Christian faith really agrees and endorses that instinct. The Bible agrees that with many things transient and changing and wobbling in life, human beings need a source of consistent stability to lean on. 
And so what will you grab onto? Some of us, we grab onto our money. But the Bible is very clear and honest, and so is life experience. That money will not hold you in the end. Proverbs eleven twenty eight says, He who trusts in his riches will fall. Many of us look to our health. At least we've got our health. But as many in this room have discovered and are discovering even this week, health will not hold you. Psalm 73 verse 26, my health may fail, my spirit may grow weak. Many in our culture look to their inner longings, their heart, follow your heart. Whatever else happens, at least I can follow my heart. But if you know your heart, and if it's anything like mine, your heart does all sorts of strange stuff. In Jeremiah 17 verse 9, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. It'll tell you some strange things. This one feels quite quaint because none of us would ever be as foolish as to put our hope here. But maybe it's politics and nations. But Psalm 46, written millennia ago, rings loud and true, doesn't it? The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. I think maybe most commonly we look, don't we, to another person, a friend, a partner, a monarch. But ultimately, any of us is not able to be, in the end, a stabilizing constant. Because Psalm 103, verse 15 to 16, just drink in these words from God. Our days on earth are like grass. Like wildflowers, we bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone. But there is a constant in this life that we can hold, who has always been and will always be, and he is the eternal God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Bible is singing to us, screaming at us, pleading with you today to grab onto him Psalm 90, verse 1 to 2. Lord, through all the generations, you have been our home. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from beginning to end, you are God. Psalm 73, verse 26. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak. God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Psalm 18 verse 2. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my saviour. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield the power that saves me, and my place of safety. Hebrews 13 verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
Hallelujah. I don't know how you've been feeling this week, but nationally, that unsettledness, Queen Elizabeth, a stabilizing presence. Who now? What now? And Queen Elizabeth would be the first to point you up to God, her rock. Now, how does this apply to baby Thanksgiving? We're talking about some other things. Two little applications for this moment. First of all, in the chaos and the noise, was Becky's phrase, wasn't it, of parenting. You need to look to God. He must be your stabilizing presence. Because in him is abundant strength for the day. In him is encouragement. In him is a solid rock. When you're up at ten past six and already you're done in, you can go to him. And you say, you don't know what I've done, Rich. I can't go to this God. Well, Jesus died on the cross to take away all of the things that would be baggage between us and God so that if you trust in Jesus, whoever you are, however you fail as a parent, as a child, as a friend, as a speaker, as a human being, you can come to God, the rock, and he can be God, my rock, because Jesus made a way. The everlasting God is openly available to be yours. And so look to him, and I want to dare to be as bold as to just hone in on one tiny more application before I give you my other reflections, which is if a consistent presence is a stabilizing force, I want to plead with you to be a consistent presence in the life of your children. And I don't mean helicopter parent, never leave them, never leave the room, Never let them go. Life has these seasons where you will, I'm sure, send them out one day. But will you please, to the degree that it is in your control, not leave? Because your stabilizing presence, you might feel weak. You might feel, I wish they had some other parents to look after. I don't know what I'm doing. But your stabilizing presence to them is absolutely unrivaled in its power will you please however hard it gets will you stay with them reflection number two a little quicker this week has shown us that humility and service are at the heart of all leadership as people have reflected on Queen Elizabeth's life, the words that have come up over and over again, aren't they? Copied and pasted, it feels, into every broadcast. Service, duty, sacrifice. They've been on repeat. See, those nearest to her were not so much impressed by her power and her authority, but rather won and inspired by her willingness to humble sacrifice, often in the background, often unseen, often private. And that is a leader that people will look to because true greatness and true authority is not in position or title, but in character and sacrifice. And Elizabeth, our sister, would testify that her great example in that, she spoke so many times that her great example in that is Jesus of Nazareth. And I love these words that he said in Matthew's gospel, where he actually calls out 
and critiques and unveils the appalling leadership dynamics that this world gets stuck in by default. And he says he has a better way. Matthew 20, verse 25. You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man, the almighty, history-shaping Christ, the Son of Man, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is a God who came down to give his life, to lay down his life, to serve. And his greatest act, his highest victory, his most staggering moment of leadership was when he laid himself down on the cross for our sins. He reveals he is a God like no other, an authority figure like no other, a God who bleeds out for others. And so to parenting. Parenting is a joy, an eye-watering, holy privilege, a blessing from the Lord, a delight. It's also tough, like many callings. It is tough. And it's mostly, at least in my experience so far, made up of small, mundane things that no one else sees and that require your humility and your diligence and your sacrifice again and again and again and again and again and again. It's 5.30 a.m. again and again and again. It's wiping that nose or that bum or that cut knee again. It's cleaning up the floor again because they, you know, did that, you know, again. It's waking up in the night again. It's in so many ways, you lose your own life and your daily life can feel like it's being poured away for another person and one who repays you with more snot and more waking up and when they learn to speak, at least my youngest child at the moment, her favourite phrase is, I don't like you, Dad. <laughs> and I'm like, do you know what? Occasionally it's mutual. <laughs> but I'm a Christian, so that is just Jesus' leadership to humbly serve to say this is hard for me today and maybe it's the toughest thing I've ever done but I refuse to be big, tall and above and beyond this. I'm going to stoop down and serve because Christ came to stoop and serve me when I least deserved it and I said I don't like you Jesus and gave me grace upon grace upon grace upon grace and so in my weakness filled with his selfless love I pour out to others. And that dynamic is true in parenting. It's true in every costly relationship dynamic. We serve. 
Reflection number three, and, um, and we'll be done. Your example is your biggest impact. Um, without closing this unusual morning by getting into a lecture around the role of the constitutional monarchy in the United Kingdom, uh, the Queen didn't have what is known as an executive Role. She wasn't one who was able to impose the rules or dictate. There were other mechanisms for that. I don't really know. I don't really get it. Like parliament or something, I don't really know. And so really a huge part of her role in our nation is just to set the tone and be an example. Who can forget the picture of her at her husband's funeral, choosing to sit alone? Well, technically she didn't have to at that moment. While, as we know, whatever your political views, and I, I mean that sentence, that's not a gimmick, I mean that sentence, whatever your political views, we know that vomit-laden, binging parties were going on until the early hours in Downing Street, whilst most of us were on our knees. You see, Downing Street had the rules. It had the authority but it had no example. And so to this day, there is a bitter taste in my mouth. Elizabeth, our sister, quietly, silently even at times, showed the way. Now, if you think I'm about to now say, and God's like that, and parenting's like that, you don't have to speak, and he, he has no commands. <laughs> that is not true. God... And parents, I believe, must have authority and give instruction. God is the ultimate authority, and so it is our holy duty and privilege to obey any command he chooses to give us. And because he's the sort of God who loves us so much that he'd rather die on a Roman cross than lose you, his instructions we can trust are towards our ultimate flourishing, and so we obey gladly. But more than that, he is the God who did not just talk the talk, but who walked the walk. And he came down off the throne into poverty as a refugee to show us what that whole book looks like in practice. The God made flesh, the God made tangible, the worked example of all the commands of scripture, Jesus of Nazareth the homeless wanderer. John 13, verse 15, Jesus said this, I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. He didn't just tell us some religious rules. He walked the walk and showed us the way. And I think the same is true in all leadership and in parenting. Please don't cut this and put it on social media and make me say something I didn't say. Of course you need to bring instruction of course you need to bring wisdom. Of course you need to teach right from wrong and speak. And our culture doesn't want you to, and you must. But your words will mean worse than nothing if your walk isn't there too. And by far the greatest impact any of us will leave with another person is the example of our real life. I am both excited as I finish and sobered, very sobered as a parent by this verse in 2 Chronicles 17 verse 3. It says, the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. Um, if anyone's looking for a name in the future, great name. 
the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the example of his father's early years. I tremble at that verse. Luke, Hannah, Dave, Martha, Steve, Becky, all of us, in fact, let us seek to not only say things, but lead by the example of our lives. Weak, weakness and in, in brokenness and in imperfection, but nevertheless, it's a calling to lead by example, following the great example of Jesus. It's been a strange week, and um, you missed out on the greatest talk I've ever prepared but not been able to give. Come again next year, and we'll do that one. Honestly, it was a belter. But I think this week has shown us three simple things. A consistent presence is a stabilizing force. Humility and service are the heart of leadership. Your example is your biggest impact. And we thank God for our sister Elizabeth's example. And now may God, our rock, help us to live in light of these truths. In Jesus' name, amen.